to the Fabulous 413. I'm Khalees Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. What is this? The spouse theme being played on the organ? Hmm. <laughs> Later in the show, in answer to the critics who don't like the fact that we drink wine on Fridays on the show, mocktails for Dry January with Jackalope bartender Sean Bilson. And for Live Music Friday, Muswell Hillbillies will join us before their Tom Petty tribute at the Drake in Amherst this evening. But we've got a very special Live Music Friday doubleheader. I love the baseball reference, Khalees. <laughs> Before the Red Sox head down to Fort Myers for 2024 spring training, they're coming here to Springfield for winter weekend to mark the unofficial start of the baseball season. The squad will spend a winter weekend at MGM Springfield meeting with fans, signing autographs, and more. Tonight's event will open with the introduction of the 2024 players and coaches, followed by the Cinco Ocho show with Jonathan Papelbon, a late-night talk show-style format. Alongside co-host Tom Caron of NESN, Papelbon will lead up conversations about the upcoming season and the state of the club. The evening will conclude with a reflection on the life of Tim Wakefield. The weekend also offers fans an opportunity to meet and get autographs from Red Sox legends like Big Poppy, Pedro Martinez, Jim Rice, Carlton Fisk, Louis Tiant, and more. Also participating in the Red Sox winter weekend festivities in Springfield today and tomorrow is Fenway Park organist, Josh Cantor. By day, he is a humble music librarian at Harvard University, but by night or day game, he entertains the Red Sox faithful at Fenway Park since tw- 2003. Josh has played at least 81 shows a year to a crowd of about 38,000 people. But what sets Josh apart is how he's incorporated modern technology and social media into the historical legacy of having organ music during baseball games. Josh takes requests via Twitter during the game and plays them between batters and between innings. In addition to his work with the Red Sox, Josh plays regularly with Jim's Big Ego, a Boston-based rock band, The Split Squad, a supergroup featuring former members of Blondie and the Flesh Tones, as well as another supergroup, the Baseball Project, which writes and plays songs about baseball and features Peter Buck and Mike Mills of R.E.M., Scott McCabe of The Young Fresh Fellows, Steve Wynn from The Dream Syndicate, and Linda Pittman from The Filthy Friends. Now batting for the fabulous 413 and Live Music Friday, Red Sox organist Josh Cantor! Thank you so much for joining us, Josh. Thank you for having me. This is wonderful. This is a delight for me. It was an absolute pleasure like seeing you like start to learn some of the songs for the requests that we've gotten so far uh-huh. in the show. Like I love seeing people who are able to do that so quickly then and make it actually happen. So so cool. Well, there's, you know, there's people who do it quickly like myself and then there's people who do it well, which <laughs> is sometimes me but sometimes not. Josh learned the spouse theme song moments before we went on the air, Literal which was moments. wonderful. And we did get a bunch of requests that we'll get to a little bit later. But for for the curious folks, hearing about your rock and roll pedigree, um, how does one become the organist for Fenway Park? Um, I, I can tell you how it happened for me. It was uh, 2003 and they were having auditions. Um, I knew someone who was working for the team at the time. It was someone I had performed with and written songs with and he recommended me to the audition committee. Um, I think that was a foot in the door and then there were a couple of rounds of auditions and they sort of put me through the paces and um, and at the end of it they, they offered it to me. I think I was like a little bit good and then more than a little bit lucky as far as the timing and be, being in the right place at the right time. But um, but I've always loved baseball. I'm a big Red Sox fan. And so that um, is what, uh, you know, that's what makes me, that's a big part of what makes me want to keep doing it. Because I, I think 
the workload is is substantial. Like I've had colleagues there who are so excited at the beginning and after about three years, they're like, ooh, it's just a little too much baseball for my taste. Yes, 21 <laughs> years now. Yes, I've been there 21 years now. Oh, that's yes. unbelievable. Yeah. When, you, when, when you audition, do you audition throughout the whole stadium on I, an organ or is it like a smaller I actually smaller did. Organ? I wasn't supposed to, but the head of the, uh, my first audition, the head of the audition committee was stuck in a meeting and he couldn't get out of it, but he called over to the audio engineer. He's like, I'm in one of the conference rooms that has a window facing out onto the ballpark. I'm going to open the window, just, you know, route it through the the ballpark public address system and I will listen from this other meeting that I'm stuck in. So... (laughs) That was that was like slightly nerve wracking. I bet. Yeah. Is that unusual or uh, clearly that was an unusual I, thing? I mean, every everything about this gig is unusual. <laughs> I would say. Did the organist job come first or the librarian job? Oh, I've worked in libraries since I was a teenager, um, and uh, and I've always enjoyed it, and it's always just kind of been like the steady day job, and then um, and then I do baseball games and play with bands, you know. Uh, uh, Beyond that, when when schedules permit, what is remarkable about what you do, Josh, and I think that you are kind of a, a, a forerunner in in this, is that you made baseball organ interactive, as we mentioned in the intro, where you are taking requests every game from people who must be at Fenway. Like you can't just make requests while you're watching it on TV or listening to it on the radio. Yeah, it's an honor system. Yeah, yeah. You tweet at you. While you are live in your perch, as you call it, at Fenway, and you incorporate those requests, no matter how bizarre or silly, as best as possible into the course of a baseball game. Uh, that's the goal. And and most of the time, um, you know, mostly what people want to hear are, uh, you know, hit songs, which is great. Songs that are recent hits or hits from a long time ago. But, you know, it's th- things that people will recognize, right? So yeah. That's... Like my, my youngest, when I took him to Fenway the first time, requested... Up Down Funk. That's right. By Bruno Mars. <laughs> he, used to, he used to call it Up Down Funk. Yes. Um, yeah. So you know. So uh, and then there's a you know there's a small percentage that are songs that are a little off the beaten path, um, and those are a neat challenge. And then you know it's not something that you know for that small percentage of songs it's not something that everyone's going to recognize or that hardly any people are going to recognize. But for the small number of people who recognize it, I think they get a charge out of like, wow, I never thought I would hear. That on a, you know, on an organ, on, an organ. Yeah, on a yeah. baseball organ. Yeah. <laughs> it becomes a large scale, really fun game of name that tune. It can be. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's been many times where I've been there where I've been hearing you play something and I'm thinking, I think I know what this is. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I figure it out or I don't. Well, sometimes people say they'll message me and be like, oh, I loved when you played blah, 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 such songs. And and I think back, I'm like, oh, I didn't play that song. So then I'm trying to think, what did I play that maybe sounded like that? Or did I just, <laughs> did I play it so poorly that it sounded like something completely different? Like, <laughs> We're speaking with Josh Cantor, who for 21 years, this is his 22nd season, I think, the beginning of, mm-hmm. is has been Fenway's organist and has not missed a Red Sox home game in 21 years. Is that true? Uh, yeah, knock on if there's any wood around in the office. I hope there's I've, some. Oh, no. I've been, uh, <laughs> I've been, you know, blessed with good health and having nothing better to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of baseball memories. The Red Sox, famously, the year after you began, broke their 86-year-long curse. And they have subsequently won three other World Series since that 2004 win. Yeah, it's it's definitely been the the years that I've been there have been, you know, the golden age for the Red Sox, or maybe the second golden age. Yeah. But the first golden age was the early twentieth century. No one remembers it, and they didn't have an organ. No one from then is alive practically. Um, <laughs> so, so you know, I was talking about lucky timing earlier. It's all that much more so that 
that I, you know, overlapped in the time that that David Ortiz was there and so many other great players that brought, you know, such joy, oh, um, yeah. such unbridled joy to, you know, multiple generations of lifelong fans. Some of which will be at Red Sox Winter Weekend at Springfield at MGM tonight and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Did the person you took over for have any advice for you in coming into the position? Um, no, not really. We, you know, I met him a couple times. We spoke briefly. Um, but I did have a, um, I was uh, sort of mentored by this woman named Nancy Faust, who was the White Sox organist for 41 years. And she's the person that I sort of grew up listening to. Um, and I always loved her style. And, and she just, uh, I don't know, she's she's generally just sort of considered to be the best of the bunch. And um, so she was a wonderful mentor and a fantastic person. And, you know, you were talking about the interactivity. She was, you know, in pre-social media days, she did she did the interactive thing, but she just did it face to face. People would just come up and say, "Hey, can you play this song?" Uh-huh. Um, and then she would do it. <laughs> so in my perch, I am uh, not quite as accessible to people. So I it sort of dawned on me at, at a certain point that I could you know kind of do it electronically instead and and try to reach more people that way, reach the people you know out in the bleachers and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's always shocking to me when I come visit you at Fenway to see how you're crammed into the luxury yeah, box ask, in the is, little corner. Is it that? Is it as small as it seems in photos? That space? Oh, probably smaller. It's, okay. a, it's, a, it's yeah, it's a it's a little cubby hole. In it's yeah. a little it's a little cubby hole, but it's um you know it's it, there's enough space to do the job. Josh Cantor, Fenway's organist, who will be part of Red Sox Winter Weekend this weekend at MGM in Springfield. Uh, as we mentioned, twenty. this is the beginning of your 22nd season with the Red Sox. What are some of your favorite memories behind the organ at Fenway? Uh, baseball memories. Yeah. I mean, baseball memories, uh, you know, I think a lot about the um, the cha- championships, especially in, in 2004 when the, the, the start of the that epic comeback against the Yankees, the first two of those four wins were at home, mm-hmm. and they were both long, grueling extra inning games with so much seesaw back and forth, and everybody remembers the Dave Roberts steal, yes. Ortiz walk-offs, and um, those are kind of permanently emblazoned in my mind. In fact, I remember leaving after the first win, thinking that's the best baseball game I've ever seen in my whole life, and then leaving 24 hours later saying, no, that's the best baseball game I've ever seen in my whole life. Um, and I think still to this day, those are the, probably the two best. And then, you know, uh, clinching the World Series at home in 2013, which was such a, a you know magical season for so many reasons. And, you know, being there playing Oregon at that final game was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously that's the kind of thing you'll you'll never forget. And then I have a lot of favorite memories that aren't so much about what happened on the field, but just about, you know, connections that I made with fans, certain songs that people requested that had special meaning to them or their families, and I was able to play it. And um, What are a couple of those? Um, you know, I think uh, I never... I never anticipated that. Uh, so I'm really drawn to the requests where people have sort of like a compelling re- reason or story behind why they like the song. Um, and a lot of times it's like, oh, this is, you know, like what you did. Like, this is my kid's favorite song. We yeah. play this because it's my kid's first time at Fenway or whatever. Um, you know, but there, uh, I guess I was a little surprised to learn there are, I get a number of sort of like memorial requests. So people will say like, you know, I went to Fenway with my dad for 50 years. He passed away last month. This was his favorite song. You know, he's not here, but he's here in spirit. Could you play it? And I'll play it. And maybe the family is there. And it's, uh, you know, it becomes a, a lasting, meaningful memory for them. And that's, um, you know, it's a real honor to get to do things like that. Mm. What's the weirdest song you've had to learn on the fly that you still bring up in, in games just hoping that somebody's out there? Um, recognizing I it think, and loving it like you suddenly did. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the weird ones, mostly they tend to be 
kind of like one and done, you know, um, like I'll play it once and I'll make that person or that small group of people very happy. Um, and then I'll just sort of wait for the next weird one. But I'm trying to think <laughs> if there's anything particularly, uh, no, you know, sometimes, sometimes something goes viral, a song goes viral in, in pop culture in a way that you can't really understand why or can't trace the origin of it. And, but you just know that it's big, no matter how catchy it is or not catchy. And so some of those have been like very weird, but I know if I play it, there's going to be a lot of people are going to be like, oh, I like, I saw that on my kid's TikTok the other day, you know? <laughs> and that's kind of how you don't have all these songs memorized and just know them. You're kind of offline on a laptop learning the songs when they request them and then bring it like you just did with the spouse intro music here to an audience of 40,000 people. Yeah, it's a good party <laughs> trick that I have uh, managed to cultivate, which is that, um, you know, if I don't know a song, I can, if it's a, you know, if it's a pop song, there's sort of finite number of possibilities, directions yeah. it can go in. Um, and, uh, you know, and I say that lovingly. And, um, and yeah, I can listen to it a couple times and at least kind of get the basic feel of it, at least get the enough of the melody that people will recognize what it is and might hum along or something. Well... I think we should take a break, and then we're going to play some of the requests that listeners have requested of oh you, Josh Cantor, Fenway's organist, who's part of Red Sox Winter Weekend this weekend. But maybe we should lead out with one of those requests. Mm -hmm. We got two, yeah. uh, one kind of a, one saying anything by Wilco mm -hmm. and Max Skirmer from Northampton. That was Marcy Gallagher, anything uh -huh. by Wilco. And Max Skirmer from Northampton wants random name generator uh -huh. from Wilco. Do you remember that one? Uh, I think so. Wilco. So that that's a band, is that's it? That's a band. Okay. <laughs> You've also been associated with Solid Sound and played there on that stage with Jeff Tweedy and friends. You've sure. Got the first time what? I ever encountered you because we were uh, live broadcasting. You're a middle-aged white man. You know who Wilco is. <laughs> wow. That's a whole thing. Uh, let's see if I remember Random Name Generator. That's Josh Cantor, Fenway's organist. More of him and your requests coming up. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on 88.5 NEPM. For the remainder of the show, you'll be hearing Iron Butterflies and Agata DeVita on the organ at its actual uncut length, performed by Fenway organist minutes. Josh Cantor. That is one of the requests we got from multiple parties. I think it's we, the one we got most requested. Certainly. Renee Kane from Northampton uh, requested that one, as did the former mayor of Greenfield, Roxanne Wiedegardner, <laughs> as did NEPM's own Adam Frenier, who you just heard doing the newscast at the top of this hour, and who also is the former Red Sox baseball radio producer right, for right. many years in some of that golden era as well so yeah and i think you know that's one of those songs for whatever reason but you know when people think of organ they that is one of the go-to's that they think i don't know if it's, it's the a, free bird of organ it, yeah exactly <laughs> and i don't know if there's a similar thing for you in radio i don't know if people are like hey do you know uh war of the worlds you know like, <laughs> well, that would be cool if they did yeah, i mean yes yes we all do it's yeah. a cautionary tale yeah. <laughs> people often say what can you talk to me in your radio voice and i'm like this is it's just my normal voice man yeah. i don't have yeah. a radio voice i just kind of enunciate a little bit more maybe sometimes all right well what about some of these other requests here let's well, we got a lot of fish requests, and we mm. because um, none of us are particularly big fans of jam bands, um, <laughs> except for Betsy, who is our engineer, who is uh, angry. Um, 
Uh, we had Minority. a request from Mike Eckloom <laughs> in Greenfield. We had a, a request from Farah Pomeroy from Montague. Um, Dan uh, Friedman requested Fish or Jim's Big Ego, which is the band that you play in. And, right. Yeah. I think if that's the Dan Friedman I'm thinking of, I think I know who this Dan Friedman is. Uh-huh. He's a musician, and he and I used to do some uh, some food rescue volunteer work together in Boston many years ago. But uh, yeah, I feel I guess I guess we're in sort of fertile territory for for jam band enthusiasts. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> and I I know that I. Uh, I, I do occasionally get requests for, for Fish songs, I think because I was – Fish did a comeback show at Fenway maybe 12, 13 years ago after they had taken a few years off. Um, and I was in the uh, – I was featured in the commercial that was the announcement for the show. It was me in an empty Fenway park playing Fish songs on the organ. Yeah. And I think ever since then, Fish fans have been like, oh, that guy must love Fish. <laughs> And that when I saw that video the first time, I was like, "Oh man, I thought I I liked Josh Cantor." <laughs> I'm sorry. It was Fish very it was very fun to work on. They were lovely people, and um, you know, just musically not my cup of tea. But I'll I'll you know I'll <laughs> I'll go to that well once in a rare while at Fenway to 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 make other people happy. Yeah, that is how I feel about fish. <laughs> yeah, they, they've got but some it's good fine. stuff. Better than the dead. I'm good. <laughs> uh, we got another kind of oddball request yeah. that you were working on earlier, which was um, the "One Day" by Matis Yahoo by listener Marcy Lankard. You, oh. you want to tackle that one? Yeah, let me see if I remember that one. Um. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. <laughs> and then people in the – maybe entertaining in a crowd of 40,000, two or three people. I you know, love that about it actually. It, that one actually has some – has has broader appeal. I yeah. think it's – I think like a lot of young people – I think a lot of kids know it. I think it's sung oh, in yeah. schools. Kids these days. I think, um, uh, you know, it's a – it's – like it's very catchy and it's a very you know sort of positive life affirming message. I've definitely played that one a couple of times and noticed you know people singing along and so mm-hmm. I think I think it's got good kind of sing along ability. Did you practice the Iron Maiden one or did we skip that one? Uh, I can give it a shot. This one is a, re- a request from John Crand. Yeah. Run to the Hills. Yeah. That he put in parentheses of, of Western, Western Mass. Mass. Sure. Well, way to cater to our audience. <laughs> Fabulous four one three John um, Crand. But By how, Iron Maiden. How does that intro go? It's like, uh... Oh, I don't know. Dun, 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 um... not quite it. But. Our resident metalhead uh, director, Tony Dunn, is kind of, he's it's given the devil a, horns, yeah, but he okay. was kind of like, he, he admits yeah. it wasn't, wasn't quite it. What about <laughs> Kathy Gouch from Greenfield, um, Girl from Ipanema? Oh, wow. Sure. That's another one that people like. Uh, it feels really? very organy. Let's see if I remember that. So if you're a Fenway and you hear that, you know that's Girl from Ipanema. Yes. I think so. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And that's one that I, you know, even though it has jazz chords, I, I, I'm willing to learn it because <laughs> it's, it's that popular. <laughs> what have you got against jazz chords? They're hard. <laughs> okay, well, fine. That's true. We have a request for Joy Division. Uh-huh. <laughs> not not uh, a specific song, but I'd assume that it's either Ceremony or Level Terrace Apart because... Yes, this was listener Vincent Bader from Sturbridge slash Chicopee.
something like that. I love that. Very close, yeah. One of the things that you did, Josh, that was really meaningful to me in the span of the now 22-ish years that you've been involved with the Boston Red Sox, we all experienced a slowdown during the pandemic where everything was canceled. And one of the things that helped me get through it is that for the beginning of that baseball season in 2020, you went online and started a thing called Seventh Inning Stretch that I know our other engineer, Bart Rankin, was a big fan of, where you go live on Facebook and do what we're doing right now, taking requests from listeners, bringing in special guests, baseball-related, unbaseball-related. Your wife, Reverend Producer Mary, became a huge part of that show. Tell me about that time and that experience. Interacting uh, with listeners and fans that way. Yeah, no, it was was remarkable. And it, I mean, it's certainly, I know for the rest of my life, it will be the thing when I reflect back on the pandemic and try to remember anything good that might have come out of it, that that'll be the first thing that comes to mind for me. Um, you know, but I was really missing baseball. And the baseball season was supposed to be starting around that time, yeah. mid-March. And um, so a friend just said, oh, why don't you try a live stream? I didn't know the first thing about how to do that. Mm-hmm. But um you know, we sort of figured it out and it was a little clunky the first couple of days, but you know, we were, my wife, Reverend Mary and I were quarantined at home. And so we figured out how to do it. And we just decided let's log in every day briefly and see what happens and let it run its course. And, um, you know, for whatever reasons, like media picked up on it pretty quickly, I think because we were doing, because we'd found a way to do something mm-hmm. and there was no baseball happening and there was pretty much no live music happening. And there wasn't a lot of things to smile about happening and um so we did for like a hot second we went viral and um so at that point i was like oh now's the time to sort of you know we would each day we would ask people you know we say if you like the show and you have the means you know please support your local food bank um and a lot of people did that and i felt like it was it was just sort of like we could you know kind of strike while the iron was hot with that and so i sort of you know got out my my rolodex of of famous music and baseball people that I've been fortunate enough to cross paths with over the years and invited them all to, you know, to zoom in and have conversations and, um, and, uh, so that we could get people interested and get people making donations. And a lot of wonderful people came and did it. And I learned how to be an interviewer, you know, on the spot, (laughs) which was pretty interesting. And a real community developed out of it, I think. And it was really great and important for me to be part of that community in that time. Well, you. you have to go to Red Sox, you have to uh, winter go do weekend. Your real job. Yes, I have to your go. second real job. Yes, I have to go play at the at the Jonathan Papelbon talk show. You're going to be like um, the musical guest for a late night talk show, but this one hosted by Red Sox legendary closer Jonathan Papelbon. That's correct. I feel like we have to do one more request okay. on the way out, though. We here, do. what do you think it should be, Khalees? You want to choose one? I don't. Well, like if I'm choosing, yeah, it's going to be Sugars. If I can't change your mind because I love Bob Mold and oh, the wow. fact that you did it makes me incredibly happy. Sure. Oh, yeah. And that was a request by uh, Kenyon King from Hatfield slash Northampton. Perfect. Uh Sorry, Betsy. (laughs) Sorry, Betsy. And I I didn't take my request either. You know, we got to let this popular man go. So great. Fenway organist Josh Cantor, part of Red Sox Winter Weekend happening at MGM Springfield today. And tomorrow will also be a tourist in North Adams on Sunday. Sunday at 8 p.m. I'm playing in the Lodge at Tourists uh, with wonderful singer-songwriter from this area, Lisa Bastoni. And our friend Naomi Summers is also a fantastic singer. And we'll be performing all of 
Bob Dylan's Planet Waves album. This week is the 50th anniversary release of that. And then we're also going to do some of our own favorite Dylan deep cuts. So if there are any Bob Dylan fans in the in the North Adams area, come check us out. It's going to be a free, fun, low-key, delightful show. Do oh, you, that sounds awesome. Do you want to take us out with Planet Waves while we uh, outro this segment? Yeah, sure. Sweet. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, uh, um, Anything for me. Fenway organist Josh Cantor. Later in the show, more live music with Muswell Hillbillies, as well as a mocktail Thunderdome for all you dry Januarians and teetotalers. <laughs> You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on 88.5 NEPM. The Fabulous 413 podcast is funded by Northeast Solar, offering solar options, energy security, and solutions for the local community. Learn more at northeast-solar.com. Is this not gin? This is not gin. It's not gin. It's not gin. And then this one gave me, it had like a spice to it, and it tastes, but we both agreed that it tasted like it had a little ginger hit. Nice. Cool. Putting the gin and ginger. We're for it. That's funny. You should save that for the, for the air. I'm recording. I'm Jackie. What do you do here, Jackie? I'm Jackie Lope. I kind of do it all. <laughs> He's the front of house manager. Jackie Lope. We are here at Jackalope in Springfield on Worthington Street. If there is one number one complaint that we get at the Fabulous 413, it is that we talk too much about alcohol. So dry January, folks. This one's for you. This bud's for you. This bud's for you. Oh, no, wait, we can't say that. <laughs> this We're, not bud. This American-style lager. <laughs> this non-alcoholic American-style lager is for you. Because we are here with our favorite mixologist, Sean Bilson, who is uh, behind the bar here at Jackalope, and we're going to have some mocktails. It's been too long. I haven't seen you guys in a while. Thanks for coming. I will shameless plug real quick. I did enter a competition on Facebook called the Bar Boss Competition with the Kind Campaign, hosted by Dos Hombres. Uh, if you like what I have to say, please just go give it a vote. I want $10,000, and I also... So like charity. Shameless plug. So let's talk about <laughs> a very seamless shameless plug. The, yeah. the Dos Hombres are Walter White and Jesse. Jesse! Mr. White from Breaking Bad in their real life. What's fun is I uh, grew up watching Breaking Bad since I grew up in New Mexico. So if I meet them, I've got a bunch of really funny jokes to tell them. So yeah, help me help me meet these guys. Let's uh, hop right into mocktails. Everybody's familiar with the basics. We have your, your Shirley Temple. On the good ship, lonely pup. Controversially, I like them with ginger ale as opposed to soda water or Sprite. And when mocktails come up, I always have two rules. Don't half-ass them and make sure they come in a fun glass because I feel like that's one of the most fun parts of having a beverage at a bar is you get all this really nice glassware outside of just a pint glass. And what's been really exciting is these past couple years, I wouldn't call it a craze, but a trend in non-alcoholic spirits have really come forward. So I've got two here to try. They're both non-alcoholic gins. We have, oh my God, how do you pronounce this? It's spelled D-H-O-S. Dos. Do, oh yeah. That's the one. The other one I have is Free Spirits Gin. It describes itself as a Plymouth-style gin alternative. My thought is we're going to do a mocktail with each of these, and then we'll do just a juice-forward cocktail as well, and we'll have a great time. All right. Cool. These are becoming more readily available. It looks like a regular, a standard bottle of gin, but there's no alcohol in it. Yeah. The place I picked these up was uh, Four Seasons in Hadley. Nice. And they're non-alcoholic to the point that where both of these have nutrition labels. Alcohol that is sold is not required to have those. And they're 
aren't juices, but like they're treated as such. And actually here at Jackalope, the way we do mocktails is we just have house mocktail listed on the menu. And either the server or bartender, if you order one, will ask you, would you like that sweet herbal or fruity? And then we go from there. So I've been really on an herbal kick recently. I've been doing a lot of stuff with different teas. And I've got a lavender Earl Grey tea, or Earl Grey iced tea right here that I think I'm gonna mix with this gin and probably put something else in it. But yeah, we haven't gotten that far yet. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Letting the creative juices flow with the juices. Yeah. So I'm gonna start with this Plymouth style gin alternative. While I mix with it, I think this is a great time for our two hosts to taste test them. And because it's not alcoholic, you can drink it on air. Not that that's ever stopped us before. <laughs> that's fair. Do you feel like it's harder to come up with mocktails than standard cocktails because of the way you have to work with non-alcoholic ingredients? Actually, yeah, especially given my background is like I came up in cocktail bars. I came up like working with crazy spirits. Like um, at the bar I started at the Elvestone and Montague, we just had kumul, which is a fennel cumin liqueur, just readily available. I've never seen that at another bar. My first instinct is to always look towards what weird liqueur can I get said flavor out of. So. I've been purposely challenged myself this past month because January 2nd, I failed my friends during January, so like I should stop. <laughs> it's like Whamageddon, but even less fun. Yeah. We were just hanging out. I was like, would you like some brandy? And he was like, yeah. And then, oh, I forgot. Um, <laughs> January 2nd. So Good job. Some people, yeah, some people call it a record. I call it a mistake. The flavor components that you'd find in the booze are things that you can find elsewhere. So it's just a matter of like shifting your perspective on where you're getting those flavor components from. And then playing around, because playing around is the fun part. And that's what Sean Billson's doing here behind the bar at Jackalope in Springfield. There's a lot of pepper in this. There's a lot of pepper. Do you get a little bit of ginger yeah. on the back end? And you're going to find that in both of these, they've got a little bit of a ginger kick. I feel like it's a creative, a very creative way to recreate that sort of alcohol bite that you're missing. Yeah. Shake it, shake it, shake it. Shake it like a Polaroid picture. Shake it like a Polaroid picture. No, that's different. A Polaroid put out a statement. <laughs> They're like, don't shake those. So what we've done with this one, we used this Free Spirits non-alcoholic gin, this lavender Earl Grey iced tea, a little bit of lemon juice as well, and I dropped a couple of rose hips right into the shaker. Nice. Uh, who knows if it'll do anything? Let's drink it. Do you have a name for it yet? It's pretty. Uh, Kalise does. I do? Yeah, Kalise has a name for it. I do? Yeah. Okay. Um, definitely, when you get in there, you can see the rose hips kind of floating in it. It's developed, that's interesting. It's developed a really nice foam on top, which you see a lot more out of things that have like pineapple juice or egg whites or other liquids that foam up very well. Uh, here's straws, everybody. I was not gonna drink it out of the straw, right out of the shared glass. No, you absolutely, I, you weren't gonna do that at all. You didn't mention any sugar component to it, and yet I still somehow, the foam made me think this was going to be sweet. Yeah, yeah. but it definitely no. isn't. It is I not. agree. There's five calories in here. There's one gram of sugar, that's it. Water, juniper, cardamom, citrus, cane sugar, there we go. Citric acid, potassium sorbate, and vitamins B3 and B6. So it's very, yeah, there's not a lot that goes in here. It's more or less straightforward. Mm -hmm. That drink doesn't suck. No, it doesn't. I love the way it looks. All this sort of rose hip is settled to the bottom, but, but you- But there's some that keeps falling. Yeah, you get some that floats in there just based on the viscosity of the liquid. Uh, that's cool. I don't know, Queen's Crown. Queen's Crown? Queen's Crown. 
Kalise calls it the Queen's Crown. This one's the Queen's Crown. Right. I feel like I should write that down. Why do you want to call it the Queen's Crown? Because it's got tea and rose hips in it. That seems very gardeny and British. The yeah. Queen's yeah. Crown of Thorns. <laughs> On the back of this bottle, there's a Tyrion Lannister quote. Game right of there. Thorns. Yeah, right there. What does it say? That's what I do. I drink and I know things. Except you drink non-alcoholic things and you know things better. <laughs> or you can at least remember them better in time. Hopefully. Yeah. I'm gonna use this fun opportunity to make a fruity one. All right. I'm gonna use the other, this one from Colorado, the Dos Gin. A lot of times, if I'm not designing specifically for a menu, I'll start either with a spirit I wanna use or what glass looks fun that I haven't used in a while. And I haven't- Sometimes the medium is the message. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I haven't used a Catalina flute glass in a while. Oh, pretty. Yeah, the first cocktail, the Queen's Crown, as Cleese calls it, is in a like traditional martini glass. It is. It looks beautiful in that. Like Sean Bilson was saying, it's fun to drink fun drinks out of fun-shaped glasses. Mm -hmm. Yes. Always. If I go out to a bar and I get a Manhattan in a rocks glass, I don't send it back, but I do, I do die a little bit inside. How <laughs> important is it for a modern bar to have a selection or the opportunity to have mocktails? I think it's getting more and more important. Your local dive, nah, you're fine. They don't need that. But like, I think most upscale restaurants or most restaurants that serve liquor in general should put at least a day or two's worth of thought towards mocktails because they're getting more popular. So we're gonna start with two ounces of this dose chin. Two ounces because it's dose? Yeah. Oh, there we go, perfect. Do we need to try this straight? Oh, yeah, you do. Because I think of the two, I preferred this one. Cheers. Cheers. It's neat that it smells hot too. Like, <laughs> like smells boozy. Yeah. Yeah, it does a little bit. I'm definitely getting a little bit of citrus and a little bit of ginger on the nose. Yeah, the ginger is what really comes through for me on this one. That feels like a consistent ingredient through non-alcoholic gins, mm. which makes sense. Gin, ginger. It's clearly got a menthol thing happening to like give you an alcohol effect on the palate. Yeah, like yeah. that's neat. And this one has an intense burn going yeah. down the gullet too, which is great. Yeah, almost eucalyptus. <laughs> yeah. E. It's mentholyptus. Yeah. Like halls. Halls mentholyptus with vapor action. Hey, that's strong. That's neat. That one will stand up to these like bold fruity flavors a little bit more. Mm. What I've gotten in the shaker tin so far is this dosed on gin, grapefruit juice, you know, very acidic, pineapple juice, super pineapple, we love that. Um, and a little bit of orgeat, and I think just for fun and giggles and put a little bit of lime juice in there as well. Now comes the shaking part. Now comes the lab part. Shake your cocktails. Shake your mocktails. Yeah. Fancy Catalina flute glass. Speaking of shaking it, it's not like an Andre 3000 album. Catalina flute. Who invited this guy? <laughs> both of us. Two outcast references for both mocktails. I know. Put a pear slice on the edge of this one. Oh, garnish. Yeah. It's got a pear slice back there. Definitely not just because I have pears. Sure. Now it looks even prettier. Yeah, oh, come on. That's a that? beautiful drink. Yeah. Tastes terrible. <laughs> we haven't tried it yet. We have not tried it. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers again. We can't. You can't clink the straws together that we're drinking this with. But. That's pretty. Ooh, yeah. Well, Quite about, like. I was about to do my punchline and say there's liquor in there, but there's not. <laughs> there's not liquor in there. It's a mocktail segment in this wine thunderdome. Um, That's delightful. Yeah. What's the name of this one, Khalees? Oh, no. Yeah, Monty, what's the name of this one? Oh, it's called... Uh, well, Monty, thanks. How's your yeah. day, <laughs> I just blacked out right there, and it wasn't because of the alcohol. I was searching for the muse. I was reaching for the stars. Limestone. I'll call it limestone. So we have the queen's something or other, and then the limestone. The queen's crown, the queen's and crown. the limestone. So what, uh, what do you like more? 
I like the limestone. You like the limestone more? Yeah. Is it just because you named it? No, I like this gin better, I think, this mm. false gin. I think it, you, as you said, stands up to the, the fruitier type thing. I yeah. like the, the Queen's Crown with the rose hips and all that too, but this one, if I were gonna choose a mocktail to drink that it was not an actual cocktail, I think I'd enjoy that one more. I really like this. I like the use of Orjat, especially, unless you have almond allergies, don't, don't drink things with Orjat in it. Uh-huh. It's an, mm-hmm. an almond-based syrup, but I mean, I like things with flowers. I like them both. But we must choose. I'm gonna do a controversial thing here. I'm gonna say the Queen's Crown, but I want the other gin in it. Ah, well, yeah. that would be. Yeah, I, would yeah. Be yeah, I think so too. What we all agree on here that if you're gonna pick a non alcoholic gin, that maybe this one, Dos, D H O S from Colorado, is one to try. It, it and does again, this, a little bit more. That was really fun. It's got the, be on the, radio. the blue no, color. Felt, that was a Monty joke that I tried out on my own and it felt <laughs> weird and icky. I thought it felt great. So the, the winner reel here is A, be creative for dry January. Just because you're dry either in January or all year long doesn't mean you can't have fun with these beverages and weird ingredients. Yeah. Number two, the dose is a, a good I think that's fake January. I, I think the dose is a clear winner. And if we want to vote for Sean Bilson as the number one bartender. It's bar boss. Bar boss. Yeah. Where do we go again? You go on Facebook. Um, you can check my Facebook page. Barboss.org. Barboss.org. search for Sean Bilson. Yeah, it's all for charity, all for a good cause. It's got the Breaking Bad folks yeah. behind it. I want to tell Brian Cranston a really funny joke, so you should help me win. No, I am the one who knock knocks. Okay, now make us a real drink. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Up next, the second of our Live Music Friday doubleheader with a band playing tonight at the Drake in Amherst, the Muswell Hillbillies. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on 88.5 NEPM. Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. I'm Monty Belmont. And I'm Khalees Smith. It's Live Music Friday and returning to the stage of the Drake tonight, local heroes Muswell Hillbillies will offer a career retrospective on the works of Tom Petty, covering the legendary musician's formative years in Gainesville and subsequent five decades of success with longtime backing band The Heartbreakers. Formed in 2010, Muswell Hillbillies began as a one-shot concept to recreate the Kinks' landmark 1971 album of the same name in its entirety. In 2015, the Hillbillies began spotlighting other musical heroes, including one-off nights of Neil Young, The Police, and Tom Petty. In 2019, the band's self-penned single, Count to Ten, reached the number two spot on 93.9 The River's Top 93 Songs of the Year. Hey, I know that station. I might also, somehow. Welcome, Muswell Hillbillies. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Joining us are David Simmons, acoustic guitar and vocal, Jake Goldman, acoustic guitar, and Emily Egan. Is it Simons or Simmons? It's Simons, Simons, right? Simons, Sorry about that. Take two. Beep. David Simons, acoustic (laughs) guitar and vocal, Jake Goldman, acoustic guitar, and Emily Egan, piano and harmony vocal. Uh, Live radio, everybody. Shall we hear something from uh, the muse, Tom Petty? We shall. We shall. Dive right in. One, two, Just for a while To be there in velvet Yeah, to give them a smile It's good to get high Never come down It's 
good to be king of your own little town. your own way forget a feeling of peace at the end of the day when your bulldog barks and your canary sings you're out there with winners it's good to be king Local heroes, Muswell Hillbillies, Yay. who are paying tribute to Tom Petty at the Drake in Amherst 
tonight. Why return to Tom Palm Teddy? I'm doing Spoonerisms today. Um, (laughs) Tom Petty's body of work. It's not the first time that you've covered him on a show. Um, It's great stuff. We've, you know, as as you mentioned before, we did Kinks for many years. And um, um, when we got into this, and shortly after Tom passed in 2017, um, we had all the right elements for this. M plays Hammond organ. Jake's an amazing lead guitarist. And um, I can do a passable petty vocal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's great material. And so we're just trying to cover, span the years. Oh. Um, and we do it reasonably well. So another good reason to come back to it. <laughs> I have a theory that Tom Petty is something that nobody can hate Tom Petty. You might not be a yeah. huge Tom Petty fan, right. but Tom Petty is almost like a universal truth where it's like, yeah, Tom Petty. Like, exactly. what's there to hate? Yeah. <laughs> Which is such a rarity when it comes to musicians, in my opinion. All right, yeah. And uh, how do you choose which artist you're going to pay tribute to? I mean, Muswell Hillbillies, Kinks, that's the, the name of the album, so that makes sense to start from. But then right. you've done The Police and other things like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We... It, we throw ideas out there. I think we've talked about maybe doing a themed show, you know, rather than an artist-specific show oh, yeah. mm-hmm. upcoming. You know, yeah. um, so um, but whatever fits uh, our, you know, like I said, I think this has had this has the right elements for us. Perfect. Yeah. Well, Muswell Hillbillies are playing tonight at the Drake. Why don't we do all the things that we usually do at the end of the show now, although I didn't put it in the script here, so maybe we just, <laughs> we'll just hear what uh, one more song from Muswell Hillbillies. And We're doing we a have... lot of things next week. We'll be talking with someone doing a documentary about women of color in medicine. We'll be talking with um, Larry Spotted Crowman about his recent children's book. We've got Young at Heart Chorus on the show Ooh. on Monday and more, so listen next week to the fabulous 413 and one more tribute to Tom Petty from Muswell Hillbillies who you can hear the whole show of Tom Petty songs tonight at the Drake in Amherst all right one two three four something threw me in the dirt Kind of got my feelings hurt Weed was burning somewhere down the wind I had to get up and climb that hill again Little Lucy's such a doll Love to climb her garden wall but she only sees me as a friend oh yeah i had to get up and climb that hill again
tempers flare and some words are spoken you close one door and another opens you hear the music and you wander in you gotta get up and climb that hill get up and climb that hill you gotta Muswell Hillbillies, this live music Friday, you can catch them live at the Drake, paying tribute to Tom Petty tonight. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having us. And real quick, yes or no question, like more original music on the way? Because Count to Ten is pretty great. Yeah, great oh, song. thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, we'll have to write some more, won't we? Yeah. <laughs> ten, <laughs> ten years, maybe another ten years. We're looking forward to it. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Of course. I'm Monty Belmonte. I'm Khalees Smith. We will see you next week on The Fabulous 413.